0: Hi everyone before we go into the podcast i just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to this podcast i'm super grateful for your continued loyalty and support. If you could do me a quick favour, if you could give me a review on Apple Podcasts, it really helps the algorithm and it will help this podcast go up the lists. If there are any subjects or topics that you want me to cover, uh, then please do reach out to me on uh, DM on LinkedIn and I will do my best to find the best guest for that subject or topic. This is the Absolute Business Mindset podcast, created and hosted by Mark Hayward. This podcast will interview entrepreneurs, business owners and careerists. We will delve into their journey to success, key life milestones and go deep into their area of expertise. Get ready to learn from other successes and failures. Today, we've got David Stellato, who's the chief chief growth officer at DFO Global Performance Commerce. Hello, David. How are you? Doing well, Mark. How are you doing today? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. It's a nice sunny evening for me in London, which makes a change. So um, I'm going to do this interview and then try and enjoy the rest of my evening. Sounds nice. Uh, Right. Let's go straight into it. So your education. So you did a degree in e-commerce at DePaul University. Why did you you do something as specific as e-commerce for your degree?
1: Yeah, great question. Um, So... Back in the day, I was one of those AOL dial-up uh, who was just a brat trying to play video games and learn more. And uh, my father had a retail store up and down the East Coast. Uh, and we had done everything from, you know, newspaper advertisements and stocking the shelves, anything to make extra money while I was there. And one day I said to him, why don't we start sending, you know, advertisements through email? Now, I wish I knew you know, a little bit more then because I'd probably be a little bit richer now. But uh, long story short, I went from stocking the shelves and painting the parking lot lines to uh, getting a, a- custom setup printer and every piece of software I could to start building my own paper ads and doing email ads and websites for them. And so when it came about time for, you know, college, you know, I'm like, I'm not sure what I want to do. My father slapped me in the back of the head. He goes, you're going for computers. And so uh, I wanted to get away from where I was to experience a little bit more. Um, And I'm in the New York City area. So I have an older sister who lived in Chicago at the time. And so DePaul had quite an extensive computer program. Uh, and the beautiful thing about it was their e-commerce degree was half computer programming and half business and marketing, because right. I, I always savvied myself as interested in the technology side, but always had more of a gift of gab. So to learn a bit more of the technology piece, but also understanding and be able to market, it was really important to me.
0: And, and So what was the business that your your father had?
1: It was kind of like a discount clothing retail store. Uh, You know, he was one of the higher ups, ran the warehouses and management. And it was just, you know, they would, uh, it was a lot of discount secondhand clothing, but everything from domestics to physical goods. And, but it taught a little bit and a lot about the the retail side of things and just dealing with individuals and marketing
0: mass wise. And, um, and so you decided to go tech and you, you said, but you said, it's interesting that you said that you had, The gift of the gap you had you had you were able to talk as well as do the the techie stuff as well do you think that's given you um a a huge uplift in your in your career by being able to communicate effectively as well as be able to do some of the more techie side
1: oh absolutely uh you know my first job out of university was working at a web design company um i had interned there actually first even before and you know, we were debating whether I would go into a programming role or go in project management or sales. And I ultimately ended on sales, um, much to the dismay of the the lead partner there at the time who was head of the programming team. But I found out that I, while I was an adequate programmer, I wasn't an excellent one, but I did learn how to communicate properly and understand the logics and the boundaries of what you can do with certain things of coding and and then also how to think outside the box. And being able to speak and have the respect of the, the technology team while also being on the sales and project management side was quite a benefit. So when going into new business meetings and you're talking to a chief marketing officer, or also the chief technology officer, you know, being able to speak both their languages has been invaluable.
0: Yeah, hundred percent agree. hundred percent agree. Um, so you, you said you went into sales. So I know your first role or, or what I could find your first role was uh, as an account executive at imagery landscape. Imaginary landscape. Yeah. Imaginary landscape. Sorry. Um, so was that a sales position? Yes. So it was
1: a primary sales, some project management. Um, and in that role, I was responsible for bringing on new types of clients. We also had built out, and this was pre, I don't want to say pre WordPress, but this was pre before content management systems were so readily available and easily to accessible. We, so the company itself had built out a massive um, open source platform um, content management system called landscaper. And so I was responsible for helping selling that to the masses, uh, large hospital healthcare systems, as well as uh, other industrial companies. And then we also had developed a small business suite of tools um, commercialized around, you know, restaurants or small legal offices or doctors. And so I got to get in my hands and test different industries and seeing what areas of focus they would need. So for example, a restaurant might need an events calendar or an app to update the food specials and menus and a photo gallery. So,
0: so, so, the, so that was web-based. That was uh, web-based. That was websites that you were working with, and correct. you were selling products and services to clients, and for their websites. Correct. So, it was SaaS sales. So, uh, monthly subscription, content management, backend development services, as well as design um, and front-end services. Um, it's it's a, it's a question that I actually had further down, but I'm going to jump to it straight away. Um, which is a little bit out uh, regular for me. But uh, as you said, you were working on websites. Where we are currently in 2021, what's more important for businesses? And I say business very generically, but what's more important, website or social media presence? Ooh, that's a great question. I would actually say, I mean, they're both invaluable. I mean, uh,
1: people... Social media presence is obviously, I mean, people go to social and they'll look for things on social and they want to be able to communicate and engage and get information back. And, and, you know, there's a certain validity there. So I think you're going to be found that avenue. But depending on the demo of who you're working with, someone older versus someone younger. They want to see that there's a home base, right? They want to see that .com that this is a real established business. There's a physical address, right? Especially with an older demo. I think a younger demo, they're happy to be doing business through instant messenger chat or TikTok if they can, right? I mean, there's the clubhouses of the world where everybody is speaking freely and having business conversations, group settings, and then they're DMing on Instagram to actually catch up on details. Um, but I would say, you know, especially I, I dabbled with SEO for quite some time having as many web properties um, is always going to be beneficial to you because the,
0: the wider net you cast, the more you're going to catch. So I, 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 was, I was thinking about this a little while ago um, and I was thinking that social media is more about getting eyeballs and getting visibility and where a website is, there's a little bit more intent on a website because you could need to search to find somebody on Google for a website where a lot of the ads and things that happen on social media is very much is designed because there's an algorithm that builds it, but, but essentially you're, there's less intent with social media views. Right. Well, I,
1: I think you nailed it with intent, right? So it's the, the intent of the user and what their end goal is, right? So on social, people may be looking for things they like and finding and be active and participating in some kind of conversation. And you may come up or someone from your organization may be engaging in that conversation. And that's how they're introduced to this. With websites in general, I mean, it's important, obviously, for search engines where people, again, what is their intent? Where are they at? And they're either looking for information cycle or buying cycle, You know, because depending on the type of business or service, your website has different Goals. So I have a father-in-law who is a chiropractor. His website is very minimal. I mean, it literally it has background on him, his partners, and the ability to set up an appointment, contact directly if you need it. But it's important for them to have that presence. But I can guarantee you, nine out of ten, you know, most people if they're going to his website, they're just either looking up for a new doctor in the area or they're trying to find the driving directions to his office. Where somebody who's selling a physical good, now it's a very different intent. They're trying to get as much products up there, get them indexed into the search engines, and drive customers through acquisition and they're more focused on usability and such so um it's interesting depending on the different types of businesses and how they're going to participate in what their web presence build out is as well as what types of social media they're going to engage in
0: how has e-commerce changed in since the advent of amazon and shopify and people like that
1: I think it's, I mean, it's fast forwarded, right? I mean, Amazon Amazon is the the 800 pound gorilla and they also are the one who I like to say keeps everybody honest, right? They're the engine of innovation in the sense of, I mean, and it's what I call digital and analog, right? So digital is everything we do for e-commerce online, the web pages, the, you know, the ability to get all the connections and integrate everywhere. But the analog is the offline portion of e-commerce that people tend to forget about, but there's people in warehouses filling up boxes and making sure there's something supply chain and shipping and everything, right? Amazon has forced e-commerce to be better. I mean, with their Amazon Prime shipping and getting things in days and Prime now and getting it in hours. So that's forced e-com to be much better. I mean, and if anything, it's it's hindered those folks who are playing in the drop shipping e-commerce space, right? People are not happy if they order something and they're getting it in four to eight weeks. They want it now. There's that instant gratification. I think other things like having the, people who bought this also were interested in buying this and this it's now also giving that guidance to other e-commerce that hey i should be bundling things or i should be doing one click upsells for other sister products so i think overall amazon has been good but it's also it's weeded out a
0: lot of the the little guys who are just kind of dabbling versus really being expert in it do you think amazon will still be innovating going forwards or have they become too big to be able to successfully innovate
1: You can listen to the Digital Revolution podcast on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, iHeartRadio, or simply click on the link in the show notes below. Um, I don't think they've... Yeah, it's a good question. I... I think it's all dependent on focus. Right. I mean, and then where they're going to put their time and energy into, I mean, they obviously have their web services, which is completely separate from the general e-com. Right. Yeah. I mean, and the, Mr. Bezos himself is also has all these everything, other big endeavors yes. from outer space to, you know, so it's all about focus, but I think if they, if they start looking into things like artificial intelligence, which I'm sure they already are knowing them in um, other ways that can help automate the buying experience and, they're going to just continue to set more trends. But again, there's a sides of it where you, know, you look at governments and regulatory concerns on monopolies and such. So the other question is, is anyone going to step in and prevent them from innovating further?
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. OK, so you you moved on from your sales role into is it Matami Media Group?
1: Yes, Matomi. So there was originally a company called MediaWiz that was acquired by Matomi. And there I went from building websites at Imaginary Landscape to running uh, a business, uh, the head of the sales team called TextLink Ads. And what TextLink Ads pure Goal was was to help people improve their organic rankings in the search engines such as Google and Bing. Um, so we would work with partners on a media plan to help boost their rankings through partner link acquisitions. At the time, Google was very heavily on you know the way that they helped boost your rankings was not only the content on your website but also the inbound signals. Uh, now that the the algorithm has changed quite a bit, obviously, but it still relies on third party votes or references. And you know I, I don't want to bore you with the details, but a, a link was not just a link from one's website if it was from a highly you know domain authority site it would give much more value and it would look like as a much heavier vote to help boost you in the ranking so our goal was to help businesses services non for profits rank for the desired key terms and drive the proper users to acquire their services
0: okay so key like keywords is so important on google and websites for seo and things like that absolutely um, relevant content it, and keywords has that just been standard that the, the the role of keywords. Has that is that just been standard across websites and various things, or has, has that evolved as well?
1: I think it's it's definitely evolved. I mean, it's not just about, you, you know, they, they have what they would call head terms and longer tail phrases. I mean, you can, based on what the user's typing into the search and what their intent is, right? Like if I'm typing in white running shoes or if I'm right, typing in size 10 and a half New Balance white shoes, right? So is it a buying term or is it a research term? Um, I think also it's it really depends on, the, where the, the, the term itself is referenced in content. The engines have gotten smarter, the algorithms have gotten smarter. You know, some people would try and game uh, the, the search engines back in the day by doing something called keyword stuffing, where they would basically try and repeat the keyword or other relevant keywords in the, the metadata behind you know what the people aren't really looking at source code um to try and game the algorithms just to rank for everything under the sun to sell more product or rank for certain terms that have higher volumes it doesn't really work like that anymore so the the engines are smart enough to know that if website a you know is about pizzas and website b is about running shoes maybe there's some relationship but we're not going to give them a ton of authority because it doesn't connect the dots whereas you know website a is about pizza and website b is about the best pizza in new york city it's like oh okay maybe we should help give these guys a boost if somebody's tripping in
0: Where is the best pizza in New York City? Awesome And so you you, you went up in, in the six years there you went for you went to ended up being VP at client strategy as well as director of client strategy. What is client strategy?
1: Great question so uh, in my definition of it it is a, a bit of project management it's a bit of sales. Uh, and it's a bit of guidance and consulting to the clients so you're working with a lot of clients themselves that need full service not just one bit of something you're not just a focus on hey i'm going to help you increase your keywords and help you rank higher in google but we need to look at something as an all-encompassing solution so it was more about looking at the client as a whole and saying okay you're working with us in our, in our search division but we also have a lead generation business do you need leads or we have another business that can help you with social media engagement do you need assistance with that so it was more about an overall media strategy and plan for these clients and helping guide them and build them up and uh drive higher revenues for them awesome
0: so then you moved to dfo global uh, performance commerce to be chief growth officer um so something that keeps on popping up when i when i've been doing my research is this performance marketing Mm-hmm. So, what what does the definition of performance marketing when when you compare online marketing, digital marketing? There's there's, there's you can the basically spin marketing at the end of virtually every uh, business term. But what is performance marketing?
1: Sure. So great question. So uh, in a nutshell, you know, it, when you're comparing it to what people would call nutritional marketing or advertising, most media agencies or agencies of record, they'll they'll charge your client a media budget. So the, the media spend that's going to be spent on all these advertising methodologies and platforms, and then they'll usually charge a fixed rate agency fee. So a good example would be someone says to work with XYZ agency, you need to spend $100,000 a month on media, and then you need to pay them a ten percent or fifteen percent media fee right, of that, and that's how the agency is making their money. Whether that agency drives sales for the customer or not, or drives lift or brand awareness, they're getting that fee. Performance marketing is the, quite the different. It's literally based on a cost per acquisition model. So we will take the risk of the media buys on ourselves. We will agree upon a flat rate fee with our partners ahead of time. And then if I spend 10, 20, $50,000, but I drive zero sales for my customer, uh, they're not on the hook for anything. But let's say I'm driving thousands of sales for them, then whatever that flat rate fee we've agreed on, they're gonna pay me that for every sale. So it's a very measurable and a very accountable form of marketing. It doesn't work for everything. It's, it's geared towards specific types of things you're trying to acquire. So in e-commerce goods, it's usually lightweight goods that are Easy to ship, they sell well in multiple quantities, they're everyday use items, you know, they save time, they save money, they promote health or wellness. You know, for lead generation, which is another form of performance marketing, it's, you know, if somebody's looking to, they're a mortgage company and they're looking for people who want to refinance, they'll pay a fixed rate fee or a cost per lead to have the opportunity to find that and get that person's contact information delivered to them. And then, and then once it gets delivered to the mortgage company, it's their job to close it, but they'll pay that because they know there are these people out there. And basically what these performance firms will do is they'll take on the risk and they arbitrage. So if I can get a, a, a new lead at a cost per click of 10 cents, but then that mortgage company is willing to pay me a dollar per lead, then I'm making money. right? So, so essentially
0: you're bundling together different Different things. So, 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 if if if, if a co- company says to you that I want, I want you to generate leads for me, mm-hmm. you then would then negotiate what a, a a a price per lead, or is that how you would do it?
1: Correct. So, and again, it would really have to be something relevant, and it would have to make sense for the model. Like if someone said hey, I'm willing to pay you $1,000 per lead, but I want you to send me only people who live in Belleville, New Jersey, that are 50 years old plus, and they have an interest in Hot Wheels toy collectibles. Now, that's super niche. And while the CPL of that may be higher fee, than what CPL? would be a normal CPL? CPL cost per lead?
0: okay right
1: so that might be sound like a very lucrative number because if I can generate thousands of those types of leads a day but because that targeting is so niche it would be nearly impossible to do that right so you have to you have to weigh what the opportunity is and if it really makes sense for the model so for example um, something we do, Uh, A cost per lead for like I was saying the refinance leads is a very good one university online universities who are looking for new students. That's something that where there's a a good opportunity because, again, you can broadcast that to the masses because people don't have to physically go to that school they can do it from anywhere with a dial up connection or more modern Internet and a laptop but they can access it and do that work. Whereas if it was a physical school saying, hey, we want attendees to adjoin this university in South Carolina, well now I have a very limited pool. So I can only market to people who are probably in state or people who show interest in the state of South Carolina. So it may not be worth it. You have to evaluate what the type of targeting you can do for what the actual potential audience
0: would be that would acquire or be a lead for those services and what methods do you use for your marketing to generate those sorts of leads say state say, the university as an example sure. so so do you use social media do you use websites what how how do you sort of build that
1: great question together? so all forms of digital that makes sense uh, and it's evaluated on a case-by-case basis depending what the opportunity is so with with the online universities email is a very great avenue social media facebook instagram etc um using obviously all the levers we can to target around the potential Person that we think would be a good fit to go and be a good qualified lead based on what that university is looking for. I mean, again, it, you may also bring in interest. So, if the university is looking to bring in nursing students or programming students, you're going to want to target people that are in those types of groups. So, the higher probability, you're not going to want to target somebody who wants to become a chef to go become a computer programmer. It's not going to back out for you. Um, but with anything that we've done, it's all digital focus. So, cost per acquisition and driving online sales, for example. Right now, we have a, a client we work with that sells a ceramic car coat product, similar to like a turtle wax, where you can spray it onto the car and help clean it off. Nice shine keeps it away that way for a long time. Now, this you can target everyday use because everyone has a car or has a car could use this product. Car enthusiasts are more likely to do it. People take care of their car. But, you know, someone who's trying to save money versus having to go to the car wash all the time, right? So now we're saving time or saving money. Um, and then there's other products that you can also sell with that, that bundle well together. So maybe if I'm doing and shining up the car, I notice I have some nicks, so I can sell an anti-scratch product. Or maybe it's something to help inflate air in the tires. So... All things that are lightweight, easy to use, mass marketable, these are all things that come
0: into play when evaluating these types of opportunities and if they fit well for this model or not. And and how do you bundle them together? How do you bundle together, as you said, the the turtle wax with the the Uh, anti-scratch? Are they different companies or are they all within the same company? Usually.
1: usually? it's all within the same company um, and we have the ability to source other products. So if someone comes to us and they just have, let's say they just had the, the turtle wax type product, but they didn't have an anti-scratch. Before we would even start building out the campaign, we would model it out financially, looking at what are their cost of goods? What is it going to cost them to ship something that weighs this much? Uh, what is the media to acquire the types of customer that's going to cost? What are the banking fees going to be like? And we can literally model this all out ahead of time and see, okay, we assume. It's going to cost us X number of dollars to acquire a new customer for this. So we know automatically for it to be profitable for the client, they're going to need a certain minimum average order value or cart value, right? Yeah. That backs out for them. And if they don't have relevant upsell products that they can sell already or sister products, then we'll help guide them to get those. Usually it's very common for people to do it in this way where they have the sister products already or we'll help them source them. Yeah. If not, we can stack another product on top of it. So What would happen in a more normal sequence would be people would go through their original offer flow and then on the confirmation page, there would be uh, an offer from our friends that would say, hey, this other company is also selling these car related products. And then that would guide them to the next company's website and then they could purchase there. But what would happen is company B would end up paying an acquisition fee
0: to company A. So that would offset some of their costs um does your company have a sales department as well does it does it do the sales piece we do do the
1: sales piece yes so the one thing that's interesting about our company is we're not just a performance marketing agency we're actually an retail company ourselves so we have a, a variety of our own products and services we have our own patented physical goods we have our own call centers we have our own warehouses around the world um programmers, creative, videographers, copywriting, everything you would need to be a fully sustainable e-commerce business. And so when we work with third-party partners, we can work with people who already have these direct response performance marketing offers built out and just help them acquire new customers through our media avenues. Or if they literally come to us with a product idea like a shark tank, we can help build
0: the entire ecosystem for them as a part of it. So, so for example, a, a, a friend of mine, an, an investor, was telling me a story about someone who produces blueberries from oh, someone in South America, for example. Mm-hmm. I can't remember where. If they, if this company came to you and said, uh, "We want to, we want to corner the blueberry market in, I don't know, in in New York or in East Coast or something like that," you've got the warehouses to be able to. St- Store and then transfer the distribution center to, to 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 uh, supermarkets or, or stores and things. You you could do that as well. Correct. I mean,
1: blue- blueberries is a bit of a unique one, obviously, because you need refrigeration and all that. But yeah, if someone has a physical good, absolutely, you're correct. So if someone came and said, "Hey, Dave, I invented this new amazing nail clipper. Uh, I want to sell this." worldwide. Um, I've already got manufacturing done, can you help me do that? Uh, And that example actually happened. We had uh, three surgeons uh, from San Diego who created a new better version of a 150-year-old device, a patented nail clipper, and they made it so people who have um, arthritis or not ease of use of their hands for mobility issues uh, they created a version they could use. And so we helped them with building out full online marketing strategy, building out their web properties, gave them recommendations on fulfillment centers, call centers, uh, and also got them set up on all of our social media buying platforms. So we were able to acquire new customers from them, from Facebook, from Instagram, through email, through native sources like Outbrain, Taboola, Yahoo, Gemini Um, and even now we're testing TikTok and Pinterest for them. So we've been able to drive quite a bit of sales for them through that channel as well as them catching the fall off traffic with their Amazon account, so.
0: Okay, fantastic. So one of the things I was looking at was that you do app development as well. how does that fit into the marketing strategy for 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 a client
1: great question so that's more of a uh, sister service for the relevant products where it makes sense to so for example not every product needs an app right i mean um, but we have certain clients that maybe they have a um, car product that you plug it into the OBT2 port which is a, a basically the thing that tells the information from the computer in the car what's going on mm-hmm. and then you can have that connect to an app on your phone that says hey by the way your your windshield wiper fluid's low or you need more air in your tires and things like that so in a case like that our app development team can work with a partner to help customize a custom app Um, also localize it. So if they're currently, their app is only selling into US markets, English speaking, but they want to go really heavily into Germany, we can help with them with building that out, getting all the proper localized and culturalized translations um, and modify it that way. So the app development is definitely a strong team of ours, but it's more focused on the, the products we're developing with JV partners and our internal offerings versus third parties. We do have some third parties work with that, but we have the capabilities to do that if someone wants to do it.
0: And I know we've currently started this the whole our whole conversation started with e-commerce, but what what is your fascination? Because e-commerce seems to have been throughout your career has been a, a, an integral part of it. What, why is is it is it more because of the tech versus sales versus right place, right time, or like why why do you think e-commerce has just been throughout your career?
1: You know, it's a good question. I've always, uh, the tech thing is definitely something for me. I mean, uh, I think innovation in general has always been a fascination of mine. Uh, You know, ever since I was a child, anything new technology gadgety, I'm always fascinated by that. And I think, The internet itself as a whole, Uh, you know, being one of the the children who were brought up on dial up and understanding that and playing some of the first online games even and, you know, streaming services and you just being able to see how the world evolves and continually be a part of that is really where the fascination is. And, you know, the e-commerce aspect, you know, when I first was going into that degree, I didn't know where it was going to fully land me, you know very early on, I was also very interested in technology and law. And, you know, seeing that the, the innovation with technology, the law could not keep up, it still hasn't. And it, it's going to always be playing catch up to technology because people are going to continue to innovate and they're going to continue to try and regulate later i think the other thing is technology is borderless which the law is not the law has has, you know borders of countries and so it'll be continually interesting to see how that evolves alongside of it but i think where you know the e-commerce aspect came in was you know obviously making money (laughs) but the uh the just continued evolution of how that's changed the world, the advertising, the communication piece of it, right? I think social media, uh, programmatic media, you know, all these different facets is what's kind of keeping me driven and stayed in this vein and you know this channel because there's just new things built every day i mean artificial intelligence is something extremely interesting to me that i think is going to continue to evolve our industry as a whole so
0: so my next question which you've probably already answered is what what tech are you most excited about in the next 10 years
1: yeah ai for sure i mean being a uh, for having i mean people look at ai as a dangerous thing which it is obviously if it's not managed and not in the terminator movie sense um yeah. there's some really interesting experts on this matter but I think being able to use things to make things more optimized efficient and further educate us and advance us is a benefit i mean what it can be used for even in the medical realm i think is huge um but for me being able to remove the burdensome manual processes and have things that can think three steps ahead and help automate and build things faster for us. It's just going to continue to make us better. There's going to be new jobs created that people haven't even thought of yet because they, the the reason to have them isn't here yet. But I think that's, what's really fascinating.
0: Um, I'm jumping around a little bit, but you've, you've, you're you're triggering a lot of, a lot of thoughts. So you, you talked about regulation and sort of law so what's your view on, uh, this is slightly controversial, and I just, just tried to steer clear of controversy, but tax and regulation for these large corporations, these Amazons or whatever, what is tax, the, the tax that companies need to pay? Are, are we ever going to get that right, in, in, especially in the tech market?
1: I think eventually they're going to, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting, right? Like, so that's a great example of where law could not keep up with technology. I mean, for the longest time early in my career, nothing was taxable online. And then all of a sudden these different, you know, I think it was South Dakota versus Wayfair was one of the original legal cases. And uh, but all these different things started coming up with local tax laws. And then you even have technology companies that have kind of come out of this. You know, there's a company called Avalara that helps with online taxation and helping you decide what are the proper nexuses you should be paying taxes into. And another one now I've heard of recently is called tax jar. And so it, it's an interesting thing. I mean, and then I still think there's a long way to and then especially when you go cross border, forget it, right? Like how do you keep companies responsible if they have a, you know, for paying tax, if they're U S based, but they're selling into Asia, or, um, I mean, if you're trying to get product and properly educating yourself, if you, you've sold massively in the U S but now you want to start selling it to Europe. Uh, and so you start sending product on all of a sudden now products getting caught by customs. Cause you didn't prepay for that. So these are all different things that I think are going to continue to evolve. Um, I don't think they're going to get them right anytime soon because I don't think there's any one governing body that's focused on it as a whole, right? So I think you're going to see different companies and different countries kind of set the trends and everybody follows suit slowly. Um, But yeah, it's definitely something that's interesting as being a a global performance marketing company. We've definitely been learning uh, and have learned a lot of the different rules and regs and how to manage and handle that. Um, but it's definitely something people need to take focus and consideration on when they are taking a, on their operation global.
0: So I've been listening to a, uh, a, a an audio book about John D. Rockefeller and about mm-hmm. the oil, and um, and I thought it was interesting what you said earlier on was uh, the monopoly and that his businesses were split because they 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 deemed that he had a monopoly on the oil and the and, and the and the filtration and the digging etc do you think we'll get to the point where someone like amazon or facebook or google gets split up because of that they uh, they have a monopoly on the tech arena
1: it's a great question i mean I think you're going to see. I don't know if it'll ever happen or not, but there's definitely people lobbying for it, and the competitors. I mean, look at Apple per se, right? I mean, uh, I mean, people are already trying to chop at them for the. the I mean, having the the hardware and the the, the marketplaces for selling the apps, um, and even the battle between Facebook and Apple with iOS 14 updates and being able to target an ad. So, I think uh, those champions are going to come more from other titans trying to push into spaces. Uh, versus individual governments i mean I, i'm not sure i mean it really depends on who gets behind it uh, i mean i would think that someone's going to make a big play for companies like amazon to be split but i don't think it's going to be an easy overnight thing that will happen
0: yeah yeah and anything in law takes a long time to happen anyway right so. <laughs> we've <laughs> true, probably true. a few more years of of its current place um jumping about back again to back to marketing um you've talked about acquisition costs generating leads it really seems that your business is focused on the metrics of marketing rather than necessarily well maybe i'm doing a disservice but the creative side of marketing because there's definitely two sides to it there's there's the creative side and then there's the how to measure to be able to generate leads etc and how how does how does your company is your company focus mainly on the metric side of marketing. We'll be back after a quick break.
1: Money is all around us, and we think about it more than almost every other aspect of our lives. But how can we make more of it, and what's our drive for building wealth beyond just the numbers in our bank account? Join us on the Make More podcast as our host, Matt Heslin, brings to you a dynamic lineup of experts in the world of investing, business, health, and beyond. Together they unpack the secrets to not just surviving, but thriving in today's economy. It's about more than just wealth. It's about crafting life experiences, seizing opportunities, and building a legacy. Subscribe now to the Make More with Matt Heslin podcast and join us every week for new expert insights and inspiration. That's a great question. Um, I'm happy you asked that because, when you look at performance, it's all about measurability and accountability, you know, and being able to scale if it's working for all parties. Mm -hmm. Um, And typically people, when they say creative, and I don't want to say fluffy marketing, but more brand awareness and uplifting messages and focus is more the traditional agency of record that, that, you know, agency budget or media budget plus agency model is telling you. But Creative is actually extremely important in performance marketing. And, you know, throughout my career, and as I've learned more on performance, I've always like, oh, well, you know, the most important thing is the media, being able to properly buy the media and target the right people. And then as you see something going global, you're like, well, the the merchant processing is really important because if you're selling into, you know, the UK, for example, but you're selling in USD instead of GBP, you're not going to get the same customers. But if you then also, you know, you need to make sure you're doing currency conversions properly, or, or if you're selling into a market that has alternative methods as a standard like the netherlands has a payment method called ideal you know it's like if you offer that you're going to get a much higher conversion so i'm like okay well banking's most important but the real what it really comes back to is the creatives and, and the marketing and the copy more than anything if you don't have a strong call to action if you don't have a strong headline that's yeah. properly phrased you're never going to get those eyeballs you're never going to get that engagement in the first place so the rest of it doesn't matter You need to be able to engage a customer. You need to have the right creative. Now there's always obviously the the things around, okay, what color will people click on more versus that? The right font versus that. Um, You know, does it view properly on a multiple device desktop as well? Um, But I think the ability to have that, that thing that catches somebody's eye, that call to action, and that can deliver the proper story or the message of whatever the service or the product is, what is the best? Why do they need this? Why do they need multiples of this? That's, Very strong performance marketing, so it's just as valuable, I would say, as in that brand awareness and more fluffy, uplifting marketing. Because if you can't get the customer to engage, I mean, look at your Facebook feed. People are scrolling and getting pounded with different things, from friends' updates to funny memes to other things constantly. So they don't see something that's going to catch their attention in this this new world of you know instant gratification. You're not going to be able
0: to participate. That's really interesting. So the last section uh, before the quickfire questions are is your f- future endeavours. So what what's the what's the plan uh, for you, David, on going forward? Um, so that's part one of the question, and part two is what do you see the future for uh, performance marketing or marketing more generally?
1: Sure. So. I mean, my future, you know, it's it's a good question. Uh, you know, I, I hope to just continue to evolve. You know, I've been very fortunate in my career to be able to focus on a variety of different facets of this this e-commerce world, right? Starting with building the websites, then doing search engine optimization and programmatic video and native advertising. And now, you know, kind of the the. Uh, the the combination of it all with this e-commerce world of being able to source physical goods, come up with new ideas, sell them through digital digital media and these various web properties and vehicles. You know, I'm just curious to see whatever the next thing is and how to continue to evolve myself and grow myself educationally, but also build the business. as far as performance marketing as a whole, I think we're, we're going to see a lot more of it. I mean, performance marketing has always been focused around a variety of things, some branded, some non-branded, you know, very product focused versus brand focused, right? Because when most people are sending people to a, a performance marketing page, it's all about a hero product, right? Like I was using the nail clipper as an example, because mm-hmm. we want people to buy that nail clipper. We want them to buy multiple uses of that nail clipper because you know you what most people don't know this you shouldn't share the same nail clipper with your loved ones because different people have different fungus and things on their hands so etc but getting people instead of just focused on a product being focused on a brand and I think what a lot of the big brands who have traditionally re- relied on brick and mortar um, are now starting to understand well hey I'm a, a big XYZ company I've sold in you know Nordstroms and Saks and Jc penny etc but I now have the ability to build out this new category, a new line of products and sell directly to consumer. And not only can I do this through digital commerce, but I can do it at scale, right? Because I have the formula now to be able to say, hey, if it costs me this, it costs me this to ship, and it costs me this much media dollars to acquire the new customer, I can really scale this because there's this many people available, this many eyeballs online to go after.
0: Thank you. Um, Okay, we're coming to the uh, end of the interview. I asked the same six questions to all of my guests. Um, The quickfire questions, they don't need a quickfire answer. Um, First question is What's the best decision that you made?
1: I think the best decision I ever made was to go to university out of state. Uh, I think that was the first move in me opening up to realize there was a bigger world, there were bigger things. From there, I've traveled the world for work and I've always, always realized that the the four corners you live in may be amazing, but being able to go and further experience new things, new people, new cultures, it's just going to continue to open up your mind to new ideas. And I think the more you can better educate yourself, not just on book smarts, but street smarts, uh, the better person you'll be and better you'll feel.
0: Where's the favorite place you've been to?
1: Oh, wow. Um, Visiting for travel, for fun, I would say New Zealand. Queenstown, New Zealand was one of the most beautiful places I've ever been. Um, Fun and exciting, interesting and different that I never thought, Taiwan uh, was really great. Okay, interesting.
0: Um, What's the best piece of advice you've been given?
1: Uh, The best piece of advice I've been given is um, just keep going and relax because you'll get there, just keep working hard. But always remember, you're really only competing with yourself. At the end of the day that's really all that matters if you have to look yourself
0: in the mirror and that's it absolutely who helped you most in your career
1: i've had a variety of different mentors throughout my career um my managers at my various companies from brian maloney to tom Lanzetta, you know even currently the management team bruce Crane, jordan robin but you know going back to the basics you know my elementary school teacher john walker i mean that uh, there's Anyone who was in a leadership capacity in my life, from coaches to teachers, uh, managers—these are
0: all good people. Do you currently have a coach? Uh
1: no. You know, it's funny. I don't currently, I don't currently have a specific mentor. I mean, I, I loosely have my old mentors, like my old bosses, who I will c- call from time to time if I need advice. But I don't have one dedicated coach.
0: Okay. Um, do you have any regrets?
1: No. Uh, I think you just got to keep pushing forward and take risks even if you fall on your face that's a lesson you learn so you know it's with performance marketing you spend money on media and people will say well you're burning money and it's like no I'm not burning money I'm paying for an education so I learned how something works and how it doesn't work so
0: um what are you most proud of
1: um my two beautiful daughters and my amazing wife
0: (laughs) um what does legacy mean to you
1: Legacy. Legacy to me means leaving behind something that you were able to leave something much better uh, in a better state than it was before you got there.
0: Um, uh, uh, And lastly, where can people find you?
1: Uh, if People are looking for me. Uh, they can find me on social media. You can search David Stilato, LinkedIn, Facebook, Clubhouse. I'm usually on or you could just email me at David.Stilato
0: at DFO.Global. That's brilliant. Uh, You've mentioned Clubhouse a couple of times. So are you, are you a convert? You know, I'm uh, I'm an interesting one. I,
1: I play from time to time. It's one of those things that's definitely addicting where you try to do it when you're not working. But in our world, we're always working. And then if you're always working, you're always on Clubhouse and you're not spending time with the, the wife and kids. So uh, it's one of those things I like to pop in from time to time. I think when it first launched, I was probably a little bit too engaged. But I think it's it's a great arena if you're looking to have some conversations with like-minded folks on a certain topic.
0: Excellent. Thank you, David. Thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure.
1: Thank you, Mark. I appreciate it.
0: Cheers.